Alrighty, News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. The Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete of that show. And you can call at 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And you can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com, which is where I got this email. Uh, subject line, LOL, what a bunch of BS. We'll be so glad when I finish my place in Lincoln County. Um, talking about the Mecklenburg County commissioners that met last night. I'm playing the montages. Mont, mon, monta, mon, monte, monte, Montan. Somebody said, somebody suggested mountain, but that's, or Montane, Montan. Anyway, I don't know what the plural is. Like, what is the French word for hors d'oeuvre? Like, these are the things that perplex me sometimes. So I made a montage, I made a couple of them, of uh, the back and forth, of the, the snickering, the uh, under-the-breath comments, condescension, arrogance, the crowd erupting in boos and hisses and verbal eye rolls. It's not really a thing. But, um, but you get the sense of how that meeting was going. These, th- these two groups of people, the county commissioners and the crowd, that, and these are the same people, by the way, because I've been watching now for enough uh, weeks on end that I see the same people come down and they speak, and I can see the same people in the crowd every now and again. So I get it. And look, I covered county commission, school board, city council meetings for more than a decade here at WBT. I was down there in the chambers. You see the same people. You do. And I, and this was, uh, you know, from 2000 through 2008, 2009, I was in there, and I can tell you, the same people come down and speak, and um, people behave badly. And of all political stripes, they behave badly as a crowd. It's kind of a thing, by the way. It is. It's kind of a thing when you get a whole bunch of people together, and they're all like, look at us. We got all the numbers, and it empowers them and emboldens them. And they knew the tide was turning. They they knew how that vote was going going to go down last night. They had a pretty good indication. They were getting signals all over the place. They already had a couple of yay votes from weeks ago, right? The problem is, is that the people who are advocating for the mask mandate to be lifted are, in general, at least perceived to be of the right. And the county commissioners, well, let's just say they're not. And the county commissioners really don't want to give those right-wingers a win. But they know they have to. That's the problem. They know they have to. Because... Let's assume that some of them really do want to just lift the mask mandate because they agree with the science and data, right? They agree with it. And so they're just going to go along. But they, they they have to get the recommendation first from the health director. And the health director needs to get that from, what, the governor and the DHHS and CDC, who now all of a sudden, lo and behold, all the mandates are coming down. And we're supposed to believe it's because the science and data has shifted. All at once, everyone's starting to follow this trend. And I don't believe it. The crowd doesn't believe it. I really don't. I don't believe it. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but I don't find this to be coincidental. I don't find it coincidental. As one of the people at the, one of the public speakers last night said that when you see the difference in the way the counties have responded with the mask mandates, the ones that put mandates in place, they went for Biden, and the ones that didn't went for Trump. The science does not change across county lines. 
That's politics. So you can lament the politicization of the mask mandates and everything else, but it's pretty clear, like, this is going on at large. This is not just a North Carolina thing. It's not just a Charlotte thing or a Mecklenburg thing. Okay, so back to the montage here from last night. If that means inconvenient protocols. Oh, hang on a second. This is, I got to reset this. This is Lee Altman. Lee Altman, I don't believe she's running for re-election. So... Uh, but I will say that just in watching her for the last few weeks, um, she's pretty insufferable. She really is. Um, she reminds me of, I mentioned uh, this character earlier, Nurse Ratchet. That's how she, that's who she reminds me of. She just has this condescending, arrogant way that she speaks to people. And uh, Dunlap has the uh, same thing going on as well. Uh, and it's it's made even worse by this, you know, school marms smarminess like you know you listen to me i'm you do what you're told kind of uh, approach and 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 it has this veneer of the social justice moral preening stuff going on too it's just it's it, it's really just icky and so um she's up there you know and she does this glowering thing to the crowd when she says something and she antagonizes them and she corrects them and says something at them Oh, I'm just really disappointed in you. And then the crowd's like, oh, pound sand. And then she like stops. (gasps) Just stares at them like, I will remove you from this room, mister. Like that's the, that's totally the vibe she's given off. Like the, I'm going to stop this car and turn us around and no one's getting any ice cream. That's the vibe. Mm -mm. If that means inconvenient protocols critical to protect health and human life, I will do so. I will do so. If that means rescinding regulations which are no longer warranted, giving the involving nature of the virus, access to vaccines, and prevalence of people with immunity who have gotten the virus, I will do that too. Yes. These decisions must never be about dogma or politics. We need to be critical thinkers. We need to... She she does it again glowering at the crowd because somebody was like, ah, because she told them we need to be critical thinkers. What is she saying? She's saying, you're not thinking critically. I am. I'm better than you. You disagree with me, but you're wrong because you're a moron. I know what I'm doing. I'm a critical thinker and you're not. That's what she's saying. In other words, she's gaslighting them, which is a form of psychological abuse. That's why people are pushing back on you in an obnoxious way. It's because you're being obnoxious. So when you lament the politicization of the policy, here's a mirror. You may gaze upon it. We need to stay informed from reputable sources. We need to be open to hearing new information. We need to be willing to adapt as circumstances change so we can meet the needs as they evolve. We also need to care about one another and sometimes sacrifice to protect others. Right. So your kid is now going to be uh, to be developmentally challenged uh, for the rest of their life. But at least the 380 pounder uh, didn't have to make a lifestyle change. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I being too flippant there to respect? This is the way you're talking to people who don't believe you. You're talking to people who disagree with you. And if you're if you are trying to convince them to take certain mitigation measures like, oh, I don't know, vaccines and boosters. Do you think you're doing a good job of selling them on that? 
All right, News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Sorry, I jumped on the bumper music there a little bit. But I got a lot of audio I got to get to before we get to our guest at uh, the bottom of the hour here. So let me finish up this montage. Uh, this was uh, the last bit of the county commissioners and the tension from last night's meeting between them and their audience. That is my job, and that is your job, too. Yeah, that's Leah Ulm. My final message to this community is please get vaccinated and stay boosted. Thank you. All right, Commissioner Powell. They don't even like vaccinations. They don't even like vaccinations? That's what Meyer said. I am certainly sensitive. And here's Dunlap. To those who feel that they need to wear a mask for protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and the concern that has been expressed is that for some reason, if you wear a mask, once the mask mandate is lifted, those people will be ostracized. I would hope that this community is sensitive enough and understands that everybody comes from a different place. One person's problems is not another person's problems. One person's issue is not necessarily somebody else's issue. And they have a right to be concerned about things that are important to them. Irrespective of people who are still being rude, irrespective of people who think that their thoughts should supersede everybody else's thoughts, this notion of superiority. And it happens, and it continues to happen, and it's happened throughout the dialogue. This board has been extremely respectful of everybody's comments whether they agree with you or not. We simply asked the same, and we couldn't get it. Right, well... That says a lot about this community. See, see, in George's mind there, the reaction, like I just had when he when he says superiority, these hints, or outright saying, like, you know, racism, like, all of that to them, that's okay for them to say, because in their minds, that's, you know, that's just rhetoric. That's just me saying the truth. That's just me opining. But you going, oh, like, that's disrespectful. You see? Me calling you racist is fine. You going, oh, that's disrespect. That's the standard. But I also note, in all of their arguments, their criticisms about, like, oh, well, you know, I'm afraid that people aren't going to be sensitive to the, the mask wearers. And, oh, they're going to get ostracized. And they don't want to be, you know, seen as the other and all this. You mean the exact way that the non-masking people were feeling for like the last two years like that? You mean, are, is that what you're talking about? Because I'm old enough to remember when the non-masking people were targeted in very much the same way that now you're worried you're going to be targeted. Is that what you mean? One and Oh, and then the vote here was the vote last night. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. How about give it a whirl? No. Those yeah, there in we. favor of the motion, let's see by a show of hands. All right. One, two, three, All right. Four. Madam uh, Clerk, that is unanimous. Oh, look at that. Unanimous. Nobody claps. You hear that? Nobody claps. That whole room that just got what they wanted, not a single clap for them. I've never seen that happen before. But wait, there's more. Thank you all. And y'all still here? 
All right, so Dunlap tries to make a joke. Oh, y'all still here? Ha, ha, ha. We're not your friends, man. We're not your friends. And you hear somebody say, it's too late. And they said, we'll see you in November. They're not done with you guys. You gave them what they wanted, but the way it got here can never happen again. That's that's what they're telling you. All right. At this time, we'll move to our consent agenda. All right. And yeah, why the threat? I don't understand. See, like, I think that was Laura Meyer again. She just runs her mouth without uh, an open mic. But like, she she cannot understand. Like, we, we, they got what they want. Why are they still upset? They're still mad. Why? Well, yeah. Well, it's taken them a year to get these mass mandates lifted off their kids. Yeah, they're pretty they're pretty hacked off about it. Uh, and then. All right, the final cut here. Oh, this was Dunlap at the very, very end of the meeting yesterday. Oh, no, wait, that's Dilma. I also want to give kudos to this board. Sometimes it's definitely challenging to have to listen to people who are rude and disrespectful and who care about no one other than themselves. Um, And you guys um, did that with ease tonight. And so I want to commend you for that. Sometimes that is definitely difficult to do. Nah, nah, no, I don't. I don't think they handle that with ease. Um, These types of comments, people are aware you are making these comments about them. So you're demanding that they respect you, yet you're disrespecting them at every turn. Ro? All right, let me get Ro on real quick. I have about a minute. Hello, Ro. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Pete. Just real quick, just to let you know, starting with the Commissioner Dunlap, the chair, along with uh, a few other of the commissioners, they were lecturing us the entire time. Oh, yeah. And it's such a double standard. Yeah. But with regards to the no clap, we made a conscious decision that we we're going to be unified, knowing that that was probably going to be the result. They didn't deserve our applause. This is something that should have been done months ago. Yeah. So that no applause, that was a coordinated effort by the unified group that night. Oh, no, I, 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 that is not surprising, and uh, kudos for pulling it off. I know it's difficult when you get what you want. It, the natural indication is like, yes, you know, and, uh, and nobody did it, and it sends a message. Yeah, that, that this was expected and entirely appropriate, and you don't deserve credit for doing what should have been done before. No doubt, and don't forget, uh, you heard the last, uh, the last comment, November 8th is right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, well... Well, you got your work cut out for you. I, look, and to me, like the the county commission has become just a, a bit of a sideshow. It's a bit of a joke. Um, and like I highlight this stuff because not only is it kind of comical, but uh, it, it's it is discouraging. It's disappointing, and the it, the board needs some massive changes. Needs some massive without changes doubt. in November. Without yeah, a doubt. but last night we were unified, and it's just the beginning, Pete. Thanks for the support. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. I want to welcome to the show Dallas Woodhouse. He is the investigative political analyst for the Carolina Journal. You can read his work at carolinajournal.com. Dallas, welcome to the show. How are you? Tired. Kind of exhausted. <laughs> well, I, I imagine so. How, uh, how many iterations of the maps have you seen, and do they all just kind of look the same at this point? Well... I haven't really seen a whole lot of adorations. I've 
I've seen, um, you know, I got some good information on what I thought was going to be the final congressional map, right? which was a very reasonable map that Republicans had offered the Democrats. It was a, a seven, five, two map. Charlotte would have continued to have Alma Adams. They would have had a, uh, the competitive new district that would take the Mecklenburg suburbs and Cleveland and Gaston counties. Um, yeah, that would be a swing seat. There would be a swing seat in the Sand Hills, but the Democrats would be guaranteed no worse than five seats. You know, sort of, sort of the best Republicans could do was nine five, which is what the plaintiffs' own experts said should be the result. You know, when they sued the Republicans, but. Democrats walked away from that, and now we sort of have chaos on a congressional map, and I'm not sure where it's going to end up. So was there an under, an understanding that the Democrats were going to be on board with what you were uh, told was the maps? Well, you know, I guess there's not an understanding until they do it. Yeah. Uh, what I would say is they were offered more than the court required, and they still said no. Hmm. And look, here, here's what's so frustrating about this is, you know, the the court didn't get politics out of this. No. The court just redirected and changed the politics. You know, when you when the court mandates a certain political outcome, you know, the fact is, whether you like it or not, a whole bunch of the state's Democrats are contained in Mecklenburg County, you know, and in Wake County. And the way the geography falls, that. A normally drawn map is going to end up with nine, possibly ten Republican seats just based on where people live. And so when the court comes and mandates a partisan outcome and says you have to have, quote, unquote, fairness on a statewide basis, which is not how we elect people in Congress, well, what do you do? That has to be, you know, you have to engineer that outcome, and you get crazy-looking districts. You get more gerrymandering, not less. And you still have nobody happy. Right. So you said it, it, all the court did was redirect it. And this is why I've you know come to this conclusion. Like, it's an inherently political process. It is political. Right. It's nothing but political. <laughs> right. And so this idea that you can somehow make it, quote, fair by removing politics, it's an impossible standard. But also, I suspect that a competitive map is not something Democrats are interested in seeing drawn either, right? I mean, like, it seems like some well, of their I mean, proposals that, are exactly the opposite of competitive. That, that Well, that's exactly right. The map that the Republicans in the legislature are going to put forward is a, a six-Republican seat, four Democrats, and four competitive seats. Um. But, of course, that also means it means that the Democrats could win more. It also means they could lose more. And so that's the whole point of this, is that there is no magic leprechaun that can come from the sky and make all these competing things true at the same time. We want competitive districts, but we want the Democrats to be guaranteed to have a certain amount of seats, and we want compact districts that, that make sense. I mean, most of the public, you know what they care about? Having a district that makes sense to them when they look at a map that looks like a bunch of squiggly lines. Well, that mess is out the door. Mm -hmm. The court has mandated that happen. Which is, I'm kind of curious also how, I mean, you have to look at the the 
political uh, impacts and the, the the electoral impacts of these district lines, right? You, there's no way to do that and try and, and placate the court. Although I'm I'm at this point, and call me a skeptic or a cynic, but at this point, I don't think that the court actually gave any kind of directions precisely because they wanted to draw the maps themselves. I'm kind of getting the sense that this was sort of the whole point. Yeah, so I sort of thought that too, but I will say when the complete court decision came out, which took a number of days, they do align, they did put out some metrics, and it's this, you know, political science gobbledygook called efficiency gap and median mean and all these things. And the fact is those things still work out for Republicans. The You know, right at this minute as we are talking, they are on the floor of the legislature, and Democrats are opposing the new North Carolina Senate map. That is a better deal for them. It probably gets them one more seat and a couple of more swing seats to compete in. And their answer is that the, the liberal Democrat Supreme Court in their opinion, that laid out some metrics that the Republicans are going to follow is not good enough. Mm-hmm. That, <laughs> that you know, you're just messing with the math. Are you doing this? Well, you have to go by something. You know, the standard is not that the party that is the minority and not elected in the legislature gets to have a map that they like. Well, they would say that the only reason they're the minority is because of those maps. That's their argument, right? That, But for those maps, they would be the majority because look at all of the races they won statewide. Well, I mean, th- th- they can say that, but the fact is it's not true. The right. Is, <laughs> you know, and, and, you, and, you, and you also have to take into account what do political parties do? Why do they exist? They're going to protect their incumbents. You know, they're not going to just obliterate Dan Bishop. They like Dan Bishop. And the, and the voters like Dan Bishop. You know, they're going to have Dan Bishop somewhere to run. Um, and I'm not sure how the congressional map will work out. I think it's still in flux. But what I think you can see here is the Supreme Court, with a partisan decision, uh, created anarchy. And the results are going to be somewhat better in the short term for Democrats, but it will not be the panacea that some Democrats think. But at some point, we're going to adopt maps. And this year, the Democrats will likely lose. You know, they won't have majorities next year in the legislature. They're, they're not going to win a majority of congressional seats. And at some point, they're going to run out of excuses. They're going to have to look at and look, I am a conservative columnist. I used to run the state Republican Party. I come from a perspective. I fully admit that. But at some point, the Democrats are going to have to look at why their policies aren't popular. Mm hmm. Dots, I've been saying that, too. a whole bunch of districts. I'm trying to think. I think Davidson County is in your area. You know, the Democrats yeah. used to win a House district in Davidson County. They couldn't win it now if their lives depended on it. And the district, you know, all that different. Well, yeah. So, I mean, everybody, like you mentioned earlier, all of the Democrats are clustering in the cities. And, I mean, I was talking about this 20 years ago. I was doing stories as a reporter of the, the migration flows out of uh, out of Charlotte, out of Mecklenburg, to the surrounding counties when Gaston County used to be Democrat, right? I mean, these the surrounding counties used to be Democrat-run, and now they're not. And that's because all the Democrats moved into the city limits of Charlotte. Well, it's not only that, though, right? I mean, that is part of it. But the, the modern-day North Carolina Democratic Party, like, I'm an old guy. Okay? Yeah. I grew up and remember when 
either Mondale or Dukakis came to North Carolina. <laughs> and no top-level Democrat would go see the Democrat nominee. They made a point. At that time, they were pro-gun, they were pro-life, yep. they were pro-death penalty. They made a point of being different than national Democrats. Well, that changed, and so it meant that voters that used to vote for him, it's not that the people that used to be Democrats have necessarily moved all out of Gaston County. Those Democrats are now voting for Republicans. Yeah, no, that's true. It's the same thing out in Western North Carolina. They're still registered Democrats, so they just don't vote that way anymore. Um, hey, well, that's uh, right, and that's why you don't base all this partisan analysis on voter registration because they would all be majority Democrat districts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, Dal- yeah, Dallas, I appreciate the time. i got to run. I'm late, way late for a break, but it's always good to uh, talk with you. We'll have you on again soon. Check back with me. I'll let you know how it works out. All right, man. That's Dallas Woodhouse. He is investigative political analyst for the Carolina Journal. You can read his work at carolinajournal.com. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The Pete Callender Show. A reminder, I'm going to be at CPCC along with like way more famous people than me. Um, all of the alumni from WBT that are going to be gathered, it's going to be like the biggest gathering of WBT alumni ever. And it's Saturday, April 9th, Halton Theater at CPCC, 7.30. You can go to WBT.com, get tickets, get all the details. It's the 100th anniversary celebration. WBT's turned 100 years old this year, and this is the big event uh, that uh, – uh, management and Bo has been working tirelessly as if he doesn't already on everything else. Uh, he added that to his plate. Like seriously, after the hundred years, like, I don't know what he's going to do with all the free time because he does so much stuff. Anyway, he's like the bridge between the old guard and uh, the current folks. And um, so we've got all of these great people coming in and he's been reaching out to um, we've got, you know, Jim Barrel and James K. Flynn, H. A. Thompson, John Hancock, just among some that have uh, uh, said they'll be there. John Stokes, Jim Zoki, and Bob Lacey are being inducted into the Hall of Fame, so they're obviously going to be there. Well, I hope, and um, you can be too. So just go to wbt.com, get tickets, and then we'll see you at the event. It's going to be a great time. Saturday, April ninth. Uh, all right. So thanks again to Dallas Woodhouse for joining us uh, on the program. It was kind of a last minute deal because. Look, I was watching, and I've got a bunch of uh, stories here that I pulled the other day um, in preparation for the show yesterday, and I just didn't get to them. But now I'm kind of glad I didn't because it just would have been a waste of time because everything got blown up today. So they, the Republicans and the Democrats in the legislature began drawing all these maps, and I don't know if there was a deal that was cut beforehand it seemed like there because you have the house and the senate and they're both working on their maps and inside the house and senate you've got democrats and republicans and so they're all working on their own versions and the first sort of understanding was that the senate version was going to be more bipartisan they had gotten democrats involved in their line drawing and stuff and the house was going to be more partisan and then it all got blown up, and now today you got Democrats working with the Republicans in the House, and over on the Senate side, it's the wheels have fallen off the thing. And, in fact, hang on a second. There was Brent Woodcox is a um, lawyer for uh, Senator Berger's office, for the uh, state Senate. And 
he published a series of tweets today using the Democrats' maps. Let me here we go. Let me pull these up. Um, he put them up onto Twitter, and he goes through and like for example, here you go. This is over in the state Senate. Jay Shodery uh, from Wake County. His amendment would change New Hanover County to ensure two safe Democrat seats. The county grouping, though, voted 54% Republicans. Democrats would get 100% of the seats. Again, remember, these are the maps that Democrats who have been squawking for, quote, fair maps. Here are their fair map versions. Okay? So 54% of the vote goes to Republicans, but the Democrats' fair map drawing gives them all of those seats. His amendment in Wake County would give six Democrats safe seats. Republicans got a third of the total votes in Wake and Granville counties. This would give Democrats 100% of those seats, though. So once again, one-third of the votes, but Republicans don't get any seats. Then there's Senator Garrett. He offered an amendment that would create three safe seats in Guilford County, targeting Senator Berger for defeat. That grouping voted 42% Republican, but in the in the Democrats' map, it gives Democrats all of the seats. So 42% Republican vote gets you zero representation. Garrett's next amendment would make Democrat seats even safer. 100% of the seats for Democrats, even though Republicans received 42% of the vote there. Dan Blue, the Senate Minority Leader, he offered up maps for Buncombe County, That county grouping voted 45% for the Republicans, but now they want to crack Asheville. They're going to crack it, which means take the Democratic voters and send enough into two different areas so you get all of those seats. See, cracking is okay when Democrats do it to give them the advantage. Cracking is bad when Republicans do it to give them the advantage. See? Under the maps that Dan Blue drew, Democrats get 100% of the seats, even though 45% of the votes went for Republicans. Wake County, similar scenario. Yadkin, Forsyth County, similar scenario. This is why I have said, when Democrats say they want fair maps, what they actually mean are maps that elect Democrats. That's it. All right, that's a wrap. I appreciate you hanging out for today. And remember, stick around. Brett Winterbull coming up next. I will chat with you tomorrow, Friday. Don't break anything while I'm gone.